Amen. Great singing this morning, as usual. It's fun to be able to hear it from that side instead of this side. It's really wonderful. Great. Well, happy Lord's Day to you. Let's turn in our Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 22. Exodus 13, verses 17 through 22. You know, I'm still full since Thanksgiving. I'm still recovering from that. And we had a, a wedding last night. Feel nice and full feels physically. But now we get a chance to feast on the Word. So let's feast together. Amen? Exodus 13, starting in verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham, on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and I pray that as we dig into it, that our hearts would conform to your will. We pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, and in our lives as it is in heaven. May you be glorified as we continue to worship you in response to your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, when Stacy and I lived in Dallas, Texas, about 10 years ago, we lived on one end of the city... And my workplace was on the other end of the city. And on a day when traffic was flowing smoothly, it took me about 45 minutes to get to work one way. Now, that was on a good day. Now, if there was an accident or if there was construction, then it could take an hour and a half or two hours or more for me to get from one end of the city to another. And I remember those days driving and, and things would be going along just fine until I see a sign and take next exit for alternate route. I'm like, oh no. So this happened many times. And at first I would complain and I would get angry and frustrated and, uh, because I wanted to get where I was going, right? Uh, and so it used to be that when I would have to take an alternate route on the interstate, I would get anxious and I would get upset. But uh, because as Stacy will tell you, I don't like to be late for anything. Neither of us do. But over time, I have gradually come to understand that alternate routes and detours and flat tires and breakdowns are actually a part of God's divine guidance. Now this morning, I want to look at how you ought to face the alternate routes that God places in your life. Now, I know some of you are experiencing these alternate routes right now. Uh, some of you are trying to obey the Lord in being fruitful and multiplying, and you're experiencing detours and setbacks with that. 
Uh, some of you are going through sicknesses and illnesses and suffering, and it's drastically affecting your lives, and you, you want to better serve the Lord and impact His kingdom, but the sickness seems to be holding you back. Uh, that's an alternate route, right? And there are many other instances of God placing what we would call roadblocks uh, in the road and causing us to go another way. So how do we deal with that? What do we do? How does the Lord want you to react to the alternate routes of life. What does he want to teach you in those alternate routes? Now, I'm convinced that if you do not uh, follow these alternate routes in the fear of the Lord, they're not going to benefit you at all. And he may have to take you through some of these alternate routes again until you get the message. So we're going to look this morning at the alternate routes God sometimes sends us on, and hopefully by the end of the sermon, you'll be praising God for them instead of getting angry over them and second-guessing God. So in Exodus 13, we see that God did not lead Israel by the shortest route possible to the land of Canaan. Right? There were four routes that, uh, that Israel could have gone to get to the promised land, and, th- and there were three that were much faster than the route that they went on. And if they would have gone by the shortest route, it would have taken them about 11 days to get to the promised land. But instead, it took them months to get to the promised land. And we're going to be looking at uh, why God did this by looking at his guidance and his purposes in the detours. So first, we need to understand that those frustrating alternate routes are a part of God's good and perfect leading. They're a part of His good and perfect leading. And God's leading is plain and clear as we look at the phrase here in verse 18. It says, God led the people around. Can't get much clearer than that, right? God led the people around. And verses 21 and 22 show us exactly how he led the people uh, around the, uh, to the promised land. He led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And we can see from other passages that when the cloud or the pillar began to move, what happened? The people packed up and they began to follow the cloud or the fire. And they might wander for several days and then the cloud would stop. And then it would give them time to rest and to recuperate. And then they would wait there for the cloud or fire to move again. And then it would go and move. And then Israel would move right along behind it. Right? It was a really, really simple way of leading the Israelites. And many people wish even today that God would just do that with my life. Just leave me by fire or by a cloud. That would be way easier. But being led by a cloud or by fire is actually a sign of immaturity. Uh, when you need that. But that was not the way that God always led them. Now, in the next chapter, we'll see that the cloud went over the sea. Now, previously, the cloud had been between them and the Egyptians that were chasing them, and it went out right over the sea, and nobody followed. Well, I wonder why, right? We can see why, right? I mean, what's God doing out over there, over the sea, where we can't follow him? You know, one commentator is convinced That if they had followed the cloud, just as they did 40 years later, the moment their feet would have touched the Jordan, the waters would have parted, just like that. And it would have parted then too, 40 years earlier. But in order to accommodate their lack of faith, God had Moses part the water beforehand so that they could go through. But in any case, this was God guiding them as he led them by a cloud. 
Now, he doesn't lead us in the same way, but we can have that same assurance and the same uh, surety knowing uh, that God's guidance is always possible in our lives. We can be sure of that, that God will guide his people, even now in our lives. Amen? Now, God, he's obviously doing it different for us uh, than how he did with the Israelites. As a matter of fact, this was, a, this was very unique even for Israel because it was only during those 40 years that he guided them with a cloud and fire. And from the moment that they went into the promised land, when they arrived, he stopped guiding them that way and he began to lead them in other ways. But God leads us just as surely as he led the Israelites by means of Scripture and by means of his providence. And guidance is always a possibility. It's always possible for us. Uh, Right? Amen? I need to qualify that statement, though, because guidance is only possible for believers. It's only possible for believers. Only believers are led by God. Now, remember that the people of Israel uh, were God's people, right? And they had just finished, uh, God had just finished redeeming them from Egypt, at least corporately. And in chapter 12, they had by faith put the blood of the Passover on their houses. And in chapter 15, verse 13, it says this. It says, you have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. So his guidance came to redeemed people. Uh, The Egyptians didn't have that privilege. They didn't have that. Now, of course, God was orchestrating every detail of their lives as well. Uh, But Scripture denies that God led or guided the Egyptians. So if you're an unbeliever this morning, you don't need to worry about God's alternative routes in your life because you're not even on the road that leads to life in the first place. He doesn't have anything to do with guiding your life in a way of blessing. Only those who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will find that he guides them day by day and works all things together for their good. That's an assurance for us, for we believers. Amen? So let me give you a verse just in case you still don't believe me. Just in case you doubt. And it's in the New Testament, so you have extra credibility there. No, I'm kidding. No, it's Romans 8.14. It says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now that phrase, all who are led, all means 100%, right? It's entire, it's complete, right? That means 100% of the sons of God are are led by the Spirit of God. Now, we'll do a little logic lesson real quick. If A equals B, then B equals A, right? So all sons are led by the Spirit, and if you are not a son, what does that mean? You are not led by the Spirit. But if you are a son, you are led by the Spirit. It's 100% certain that you are being led by the Spirit of God. What an amazing promise. Amen? Amen. God didn't save you just to leave you out in the middle of nowhere and give you no direction for your life. No, all of God's children are led. And if you are God's child, you are being led. So this is a privilege that all believers have at every point of their lives. Okay? That's one qualification. 
I have another qualification for you. Uh, God's leading is only going to benefit children who willingly submit to God and are ruled by Him. Okay? God's leading is only going to benefit the children who willingly submit to God and are ruled by Him. In other words, you have to be willing to follow Him. Okay? You have to get up and put one foot in front of the other and follow Him. And God led His people, and what did His people do? They followed, right? So there was a submission to God and a willingness to be led. And in the wilderness, there was a willingness to be led for a little while anyway, and for that little while, they followed. So they followed the cloud. But every now and then in the wilderness, we know that the people did occasionally rebel against God, and God had to discipline them and give them a teachable spirit in that. And God exhorts His children in Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9, to follow willingly instead of being dragged around like a horse or a mule. He says this, says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. So he's basically saying, don't make God put a bit and bridle on you and drag you around like a stubborn animal. Right? Be willing to follow him and submit to his leading. He's putting you through training, uh, and you need to submit to it. That's the best way God's leading is going to benefit you. Okay. Now, one other qualification needs to be made here uh, is that God loves it when his children not only submit, but they submit with all of their hearts. They submit with all of their hearts. They submit cheerfully. They submit restfully in God. Uh, For you who are parents, it is no fun to have a child who obeys you and submits to you, but who stomps their feet and glares at you as they do it, right? No, that's not good at all. Outward obedience only isn't going to cut it. No, it shows a bad heart. So when the Israelites went into the wilderness, they had to trust God completely to provide for them, to protect them, and to care for them in absolutely everything that they did. Right? Yes, they were slowed down. And for those of us who want to get where we're going, that can be very frustrating, right? There are many folks who are driven and they want to get where they need to go. Uh, But we need to be reminded that a relationship with God is much more important than the service that we can render to God. In the end, God doesn't need me. In the end, God doesn't need any of us to fulfill his plan and his mission. He could have chosen another way. So we have to remember that. Now, service is important. I'm not diminishing that. But our relationship with him and, and being submissive to his timing is much more important. All right. Now, there's one warning on this promise that God leads his people, and that uh, is God will not lead those who are double-minded. Uh, in other words, uh, those who say, well, before I commit to following God, I want to know exactly what it is he wants me to do. I want to know where it is that he's telling me to go. Exactly. I want to know the end. No. God leads those who willingly and gladly rest in his will and don't have to worry about every little turn and detour ahead of time. The rest of his children who put their heels in, he drags. It's no fun to be dragged around, right? So God's guidance is definitely possible to those who are believers and to those who are willingly and restfully following him. See, that's when life gets exciting. Amen? Many of you are like, I don't know about this. 
(laughs) It's true. It's true. We have to believe that by faith. No, life gets exciting when we embrace God's alternate routes in our lives. That's when life becomes abundant. Jesus speaks of the abundant life. Well, that's part of it. Amen? It's good to know that we're being led through these alternate routes, knowing that God is working all things together for our good and for his glory. We have to remember that. Amen? All right, so God's leading is possible. Uh, It's also gradual. It's gradual. See, the Israelites didn't always know what was coming up around the bend, and they didn't need to know, right? They probably wouldn't have wanted to know what was coming up, or they would have freaked out and ran back to Egypt. I mean, I think about my own life. Man, if I knew uh, at age 20 all of the things that God was going to put me through, I might have thought, I don't think any of this is for me, all right? Of course, you know you can't run away from God's call for a long time, but God knows just how much to reveal to you, and he revealed to them only what they needed to know at the time. See, if they knew too much, they would not have been prepared for it. Uh, But step by step, God prepared them for what was coming up. All right, And I want you to notice that when they looked at this pillar of cloud, it didn't lead them a week in advance. It didn't lead them a month in advance. It didn't lead them a year in advance or 20 years in advance. How did it lead them? One step at a time. And that's true for us as well. Psalm 37, verse 23 says this, The steps of a man are established by the Lord. Y'all see that? The steps of a man are established by the Lord. And one other implication of that is if you are not stepping into his guidance, if you're not walking in his guidance that he has previously given to you, why would he give you any more guidance? Right? If, if Let's say God is ahead of you shining a flashlight in the path that you need to go, and he's ahead of you, he's going ahead, and he's saying, follow me, and, and you're a little apprehensive, and you're a little timid, and, and, and so you slow down and you stay back. What's going to happen is, is that he's going to be so far ahead of you that you aren't going to see any light anymore, and you're going to be in the dark. And then we complain, God, how come you're not leading me? Well, <laughs> You know, if the Israelites had seen the cloud pick up and move forward, and we had a couple of lazy Israelites that hung back and didn't pack up their tents to follow, two or three days down the road, they wouldn't be able to complain to the Lord, Lord, how come you're not leading me? Could you show me what I'm supposed to do today? What's God going to say to that? Well, he's going to say, repent and catch up with the Israelites that are ahead of you. I've already shown you the way. Okay? So it's as if we are walking in obedience to to what we know from his word that he gives further insight and guidance to us. And we don't need to know what he's going to lead us into 20 years from now. In fact, James says that when we're making long-term plans and short-term plans, uh, that we always ought to be saying, as the Lord wills, knowing full well that the Lord is going to give further directions down the road. So guidance is possible. Guidance is gradual. Third, guidance is sometimes confusing. Don't be surprised when you're confused at what God is doing in your life. Don't be surprised. There's nothing wrong with you if you find God's guidance confusing. Look, there are times when we simply don't know why the Lord is doing what he's doing. So don't get frustrated with him. He's saying, trust me, trust me. This is a challenge for us to grow in our faith. Amen? Now, I'm sure the Israelites who knew their geography were saying, wait a minute, Canaan's up here. 
Why are we going down here? Why are we going south and east when Canaan's north and west? What's going on here? This doesn't seem right. And sometimes we get just as confused simply because the Lord doesn't want us to know way down in the future. We're not ready for it. He wants us by faith to step into the guidance that he's already given to us. So sometimes our confusion is simply because we have finite minds, or, uh, but often it can be because we have faulty insight or, or foolish interpretations of his guidance. Now, sometimes later down the road, uh, after the detour, we can look back and say, ah, oh, that's why God did that. Has any, any of that ever happened to you? That's happened plenty of times in my life. I see, oh, that's why God did things that way. I get it, right? But sometimes it's very clear in hindsight why God does what he does in our lives. But sometimes, even in hindsight, we don't know why God did what he did. We don't know why God sent us in that particular direction. But we should have a confidence anyway that the Lord knows what he's doing, even when he brought those alternate routes into your life that have slowed you down so much and frustrated you. We need to be able to say by faith, thank you, Lord. Thank you for sending me in that direction. Thank you. Right? We need to be more like Joseph in the Old Testament. Think about Joseph. He was sold into slavery in Egypt. Now remember, God had previously given Joseph super clear guidance in two dreams. Right, uh, One, that he was going to be the leader of his family and everyone else was going to bow down to him. Super clear guidance and direction. Right, And all of a sudden, it seems like this guidance isn't panning out because first of all, his brothers reject him. Uh, They strip that multicolored coat of authority off of him, and they throw him in a pit. This doesn't seem to be going like the dream I had. Come on, Lord. Right? And later on, what happens? They sold him down to Egypt, and he was in Egypt, and then he rose through the ranks. Okay, Lord, I see where you're taking me. I see what we're doing. Uh, And then what happens? Potiphar's wife slanders him, and he ends up in prison. One alternate route after another. And then what does he do? He rises through the ranks again. And then the butler completely forgets about him. Uh, you know, it would have been very easy for Joseph to think that Satan is alive and well in my life and, and alive and well on planet Earth and nothing is working together for my good. But Joseph didn't say that, right? What did he say? He said, yes, my brothers, you are responsible for your sin, uh, you, but you intended this for evil, but the Lord intended it for good. See, God was overruling even the sins of his brothers, working it together for Joseph's good and for the good of his family. So every one of those alternate routes was absolutely necessary for God's wonderful story to work out. Amen? So in your life, it may be a sickness, right? It may be a financial setback. Uh, It may be you and your wife's lack of success in having more children. It may be something else. And, you know, by the way, guidance isn't some uh, mystical sense of something. I know those kinds of things happen, and, and praise God when they do. But more often than not, it's simply His amazing uh, orchestration of providence. That's what we see. And, and people often say, gosh, Lord, I wish that you would just give me more direction. And I would tell them, no, God has been guiding you this whole time. He controls every detail of your lives. Every second of the day, he controls. And you just need to get used to seeing God's hand in your life. Amen? So that's the first point. I want you to see that those frustrating alternate routes, uh, I want you to see them as God's guidance in your life, not as an absence of his guidance. 
See, we are blessed by the Lord to receive his guidance, and we have to see those alternate routes as a part of that guidance. Uh, But there's a second thing that God wants you to know in this passage, and that is that God always has a good goal in mind for every circumstance that comes into your life. And here in Exodus 13, Moses tells us why God took them on that long alternate route instead of going straight to the promised land. And it's in verse 17. Verse 17, it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Okay, so here's part of the reason. God did not want his people to run away from their purpose because of fear and discouragement. See, God knew how weak this people were. He knows how feeble they were. He knows. He knows us too. He knows that we are weak and we are feeble. And he knew that the Israelites desperately wanted to get to the promised land, but he also knew that they weren't ready. They weren't ready yet. They needed to be prepared. And God understands that about us as well. That we are feeble and frail. The Psalms say that we are but dust. And he knew that this alternate route was absolutely necessary to accommodate their weaknesses. And if God would have put them on any of the other routes, uh, he knew that they would have chickened out uh, after they saw that war was around the corner. It was too much for them, right? And later on, they were prepared for war. The Lord trained them up for their eternal home. They were ready for war. But at this point, they were not. They were not prepared. And so God never put the Israelites into a situation that they couldn't handle. And he never put them in a situation where they would be forced to sin. And God does the exact same thing for us. Amen? Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13, Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Man, think about that. What an amazing promise here. This promise guarantees that God controls everything regarding your circumstances. Everything. He controls where you came from. He controls where you lived. He controls your household. He controls your genetics. He controls the way you were raised. He controls every other detail of your life so well that he always makes it possible for you to do his will. Amen? No matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, that's great news. We will always have an escape from sin. You just need to pray that God will give you the eyes to see the door of escape. Any of you guys been to an escape room? Yeah. So in the escape room, what do you do? You're looking around here and there trying to find clues that will let you out. See, we need to do that in real life. When we run into an unfortunate circumstance or situation, we need to have the eyes to see the way of escape. There's always an escape. So this verse guarantees that there will never be a dilemma where you're going to have to sin no matter which choice you make. You ever thought about that? Lord is never going to put you in a situation where you're going to sin no matter what choice you make, right? And and look, if that isn't the case, then Jesus would have had to have sinned, right? Why is that? Because the Bible says that he was tempted in every way as you are, yet he didn't sin. 
If he was tempted in every way, just as you are, and you have dilemmas that involve sinning no matter what you chose, then he would have had dilemmas that involve sinning no matter what he chose, right? No, that didn't happen. No, you would never be forced to have to make a decision that involves sin no matter what you choose. There is always an escape. That is encouraging. Amen? We just need to pray for God to give us the eyes to see that. Ask wise counsel. He's given all sorts of various means to use whenever we have an alternate route that we're taking. Ask wise counsel. Ask your pastors. Ask a wise man or woman of God. Read your Bible. Uh, There is always an escape. And that's why Paul told us to be thankful in every circumstance. Every single one of them, be thankful. Even the bad ones. Because God has crafted and designed every detail of our lives. I know there was a stomach bug running around the school and the church a few weeks ago. Have you, did you thank God for the stomach bug? I know, sounds so strange, so foreign to us. Why not? Uh, it's something that God, by His providence, has put into your life, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says to be thankful in every circumstance. So you should be thankful for that stomach bug, right? That's part of His guidance. Now, we're not like sadomasochists that that we praise God for every aspect of the bug, right? But we have to know that the Lord is working these things through our good. Let me up the ante a little bit. Have you thanked him for cancer? Why not? Have you thanked him for that house that you bought that is causing you a world of trouble? Why not? Have you thanked him for any of the other, other alternate routes that he's put in your path? Why not? You should because they're a gift and guidance from God. You should thank Him. Now I'm going to quickly give you a few other reasons God made Israel take an alternate route. Another reason is to make them more dependent on Him. Now where did God take them exactly? Well, the text here says, around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Now, if you know the geography of this area, this is not a fun area to be in. Actually, Deuteronomy 32.10 calls it a waste-howling wilderness. Terrible place to be. And it was so uninhabitable that most people didn't want to travel that way. But God wanted the Israelites to travel that way. Why is that? Well, so that they would be fully dependent upon Him. He brought them to the place where they had to look for God for food and water and clothing and everything else. They didn't have a choice. They had to look for God's provisions. And in the West, it's extremely difficult to comprehend this. We always have food and drink on hand, right? And we never really pray or we don't really understand the meaning of the prayer, give us our daily bread. Because we always have daily bread. We have weekly bread, monthly bread. And when we have an abundance of everything, it's tempting uh, to forget the Lord who gave it to us. But when alternate routes come, the Lord reminds us that we have to live from every word that comes from the mouth of God. And for that reason, we can thank God for the alternate routes that he gives us. Amen? Because without them, we'd forget him. And we wouldn't be on the road that leads to life. We would be on the road that leads to death and destruction. So the first reason for alternate routes is to make us dependent on him. The second is to cause their faith to grow. Now, later on in chapter 14 in Exodus, God's testing of their faith led them to grumbling and complaining. Don't let your situations or circumstances cause you to grumble and complain. Over time, though, God did strengthen the faith of the Israelites, especially the faith of the second generation. 
their children. And look, you're going to find yourself in similar situations when Satan's way looks way better and way easier to us than the way God wants us to go, right? Uh, I mean, the way God has called us to look, sometimes looks just as suicidal as the Israelites going into this dangerous area. But God has crafted this situation to cause your faith to grow. And so if God, look, think about this, if God had destroyed the Egyptians before he parted the Red Sea, their faith wouldn't have been tested at all, right? The same was true of a numerous other circumstances that some of them grumbled and complained about, but in the end, it caused their faith to grow. So let God's alternate routes in your life cause your faith to grow. Amen. Next, it caused them to see God's grace. So at the Red Sea, God's grace was clearly seen as he delivered them. And that forever changed their lives. It forever changed the trajectory of their lives. And Exodus 14, verse 30 and 31 says this. It says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So sometimes God puts alternate routes into our lives in order for us to see and to experience his power. Uh, And otherwise, we wouldn't believe in him. We see that power, we believe. And because oftentimes, we don't avail ourselves uh, of his power when the alternate routes aren't there. So God puts them in. So we will see it and we'll believe. What a gracious thing to do for us, right? Look, if, if we're, and think about this. If we're quick to learn the lessons, I feel like a parent right now. Son, daughter, if you're quick to learn the lessons that God has for you, and if we're quick to have faith in him and depend on his power to save, we wouldn't need the detours. We wouldn't need the spankings, right? But oftentimes we don't do that. So if the Israelites had been walking in the Spirit as they were commanded to do, they would have taken the straight road to the promised land. But because they kept refusing to learn uh, the lessons of these alternate routes, he kept rerouting them over and over again. So remember that God is more interested in how you get there than when you get there. So the sooner you learn to respond in faith, the better off you're going to be. The last reason God sent Israel on an alternate route is that God uh, wanted to turn them into a people who are disciplined and who are self-controlled. And he wanted them to be trained to be able to respond to any and every circumstance that they might face, not in fear, but in a spirit of discipline and self-control. And you can think of this wilderness journey as God's basic training for Israel. God used that journey to mold them, to shape them into disciplined soldiers. So these are the lessons. These are some of the lessons of God's alternate routes. And the more time you go through these routes successfully, the more your faith is going to grow. Right? In fact, you will get to the place that when your car breaks down, causing you to be late for, for work or to a meeting, you're going to thank God. And you're going to tell him that, Lord, I am looking forward to this good thing that you intend in this alternate route. And if you get fired for being late, you're going to thank God for the alternate route. You're going to look with excitement, and you're going to look with vigor and with anticipation at what God intends for the next chapter of your life. So no matter what your 
current alternate route may be, start to look for God's hand and what he is doing in the alternate route. Who knows? Maybe God has a tow truck driver that you need to witness to. You know, maybe that breakdown caused you to avoid an accident two miles up the road. Maybe you're never going to find out why God sent you that way, but you will still be able to thank God that he is even working that detail out for your good. But you need to get used to seeing God's hand in every situation. You've got to have eyes to see it. You need to be looking for divine appointments and divine opportunities. They are there. They are all over the place. Right? So many of you, uh, so far in your Christian walk, I can speak for myself, I have missed many divine opportunities because I've been so focused on myself and my disappointments that I have, instead of praising God, I've grumbled and complained against God rather than thanking Him and asking Him to open my eyes. Amen? We must turn that grumbling, complaining into praising the Lord and thanking Him even for uh, what we see as an unfortunate alternate route. So as we go to the Lord in prayer in just a moment, and as the musicians come up, I want to exhort you to abandon those things that you are frustrated with God about. Thank him for the alternate routes in your life. Thank him that he has provided everything you need for those situations. Everything. He's provided uh, for you in those situations through the Father's eternal plan for your life through the things that His Son, Jesus Christ, has purchased on the cross and through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, those necessities should change those alternate routes from being frustrating alternate routes to being blessed alternate routes. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word to us today. I thank You that it came in the midst of this holiday season. Father, remind us to be thankful for every circumstance and alternate route in our lives. And I thank you that it came to us grumblers and complainers. Father, we tend to complain and grumble about your guidance. Thank you for rebuking us and giving us the way of repentance in Christ. And we confess this sin of complaining about your guidance and we repent of it. Father, we desire to be thankful for every circumstance and alternate route that comes into our lives. Help us to be a people of thanksgiving and gratefulness. And help us not to be complainers and grumblers. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing.